Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, all you Deal Farm podcast listeners. I know it's been a while since we put out a new podcast, but we are back. You know, obviously, a lot has happened over the last few years. Not the least of which was the fact that we filmed 28 episodes of Flipper Flop Atlanta for HGTV. And more recently, Rock the Block Season 2, just this last fall. And while we're about to jump into filming another new show this spring, I'm determined to get the Deal Farm podcast up and running again. So for those of you that are new, welcome. I think we provide a ton of valuable info for aspiring investors as well as seasoned investors. And for those of you who've been around for a while, I just want to say thank you for hanging in there during our hiatus. You know, much like our previous podcasts, I believe in the power of storytelling. And we're going to spend most of our time delving into the best and worst deals from some of the top investors in the country. You know, how they sourced them, how they funded them, and what we can learn from their experiences. So without further ado, let's dive into a really cool interview I did with Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets. All right, folks, welcome to the Best Deal Ever show. I am here with my good friend, Brandon Turner. Brandon, how you doing, man? Man, I am, I am fantastic, actually. I'm a little bit hot and sweaty here, my shed out in Hawaii, but you know, it's not too bad. You do not get to complain about living in Hawaii, my friend. It's not, <laughs> not allowed. Yeah, but it's like hot, it's like 90 degrees. No. Like it's, like, it's like 78 right now and got a nice breeze, but whatever. Yeah, this is from the guy that literally just picked up his camera and pointed it towards the ocean and showed it to me and said, I can see <laughs> the ocean, just so you know, and rubbed yeah. it in. Yeah, you got to rub it in a little bit. You got to, I got to, whenever I do an interview, I have to make sure that I'm clearly the dominant person in the interview. I have yes. to, it's required. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually going to lower my chair just a little bit yeah. for you there. Is that <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I think my tactic, what I'm going to start doing on, on interviews now on video interviews is make sure my camera's a little bit lower. So the person always feels like they're getting talked down to. There you go. That's the strategy. Yeah. Maybe I should stand up a little and look down. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But I mean, seriously, I almost have to delete you from uh, Instagram because every time I get in there and I see this amazing sunset picture of you and your wife and your kids, I'm just a little jealous. I'm not yeah, well, a little jealous. You know, you know I, I, I invited you out here. I, you know, I even, I bought a house just for you. It's sitting empty right now. And oh, I, I've really? been there and wow. you, know, you just didn't pick me up on it. So I don't. <laughs> well, now that I know that you're serious, I'm going to actually give me a second. I'm going to book some tickets. Fast to Hawaii. Okay. Well, I mean, the person whose house did the custody, they don't know that you're coming, but you know, you can have their house. It's great. <laughs> That's right. When they're, yeah, gone, they're not there. Yeah, they're, they're gone for a couple of days. You're invited. So, Funny thing about Maui actually is that like my whole neighborhood is like empty half the time. Most people that own houses in this neighborhood, they own houses. They come twice a year, three times a year and they're empty. My next door neighbor over there, empty. That house, empty over there, empty. Yeah, it's weirdest thing. And uh, so I have, I have like a lot of neighbors and no neighbors, if that makes sense. Weird. Those are people with too much money, man. If they're, not, if they're not rentals, could they, they could, because they could- They could rent them. Vacation yeah, rent those things. Yeah, they just don't. It's, Correct. Uh, they're obviously not in bigger pockets. They are not. I need to start sending them my book. Send them your book. That's right. Free gift from your neighbor. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I actually thought about that for a while. I was like, what if I just like, we wrote that book on managing rental properties a few years ago, my wife and I, and I was like, I'm going to start sending that as like direct mail pieces to like landlords who own multifamily. Just so it's like a subtle, Hey, here's a gift, but also we're good at managing rental properties. So we'd love to manage yours and we'd love to take it. We'd even buy it from you. So that's good. That's a a tool. Just start shipping those books out to everybody, man. 
it could work. It could, but yeah. you're, so you're in Hawaii, but you don't necessarily do the majority of your investing in Hawaii. You're, all, you're sort of all over the United States. Is that right? Yeah. So for the first decade or so, we invested only in Grace Harbor, Washington, which is where I was at. My wife's born and raised there. So we moved there after college and prices are super cheap. It's like blue collar neighborhoods. You can buy a house for 75 grand. And uh, we bought a, built our portfolio there, bought an apartment and then later sold that. And then I decided that if I wanted to scale, I'd have to get out of the area. So we started yeah. buying, bought an apartment in Cincinnati, bought a mobile home park in Bangor, Maine, which is uh, about as far away as humanly possible from Hawaii as you can really get. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, uh, and then we decided the mobile home park thing was awesome. And so we uh, started growing that dramatically. We actually started a fund and we raised all this money and we're at like eight mobile home parks under contract right now. And Dude, that's where we're headed. So yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah, I think so. So even before you've closed on all these, you got a hundred doors. Most of those are single yeah. family and a little bit of multifamily. And then, I mean, by the end of next year, I mean, in terms of doors, it's yeah. through the roof, it sounds like. I hope so. Yeah. So I have a, uh, I'm a big believer in like vision, like casting a vision. There's this book called the vivid vision. I talk a lot about this lately, but it's this oh. book of like, it's so it's basically like, look, a lot of companies have like a mission statement or like, here's where we want to get to, you know, we want $10 million. The vivid vision was like, you, you need to get like crystal clear on, on your vision in like a 3d sort of a way. So what I did, I mean, I can even show it to you. It's over there, but I have, I, I like wrote this newspaper article um, about my company three years in the future. And it's called the $50 million surfers. And it's how, uh, how a small team of adventure seekers built a real estate empire, helped millions achieve financial independence and kept their humanity intact. And it goes through like how many units we have, how much money we make, how many employees we have, what our employees think of us, what benefits we offer. Like I have a New York times bestselling book, like all these, I mean, everything from your life. Wow. Holy cow. All, yeah. And it's like, it's probably 2000 words long. And when people read that, everyone's like, crap. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, and so anyway, in that I have a thousand units within the next three years. And I think I'll actually hit it within a year, not three years. Cause on. once you get crystal clear on something, yeah. it's amazing how much faster you can get towards it. People don't lack the ability to get things done. They lack the clarity on what they want. I, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. So. And, and most entrepreneurs even struggle with that. They, they sit down at the desk and it's like, okay, what do I do first? I'm not yeah. sure where to go. I know I want to do this, this, and this, but what do I do first? Yeah. But like yeah. you said, build that vision, set goals, short-term and long-term yep. goals. And yeah, your long-term goals turn into short-term goals. It sounds like real That's quick. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. So uh, I'm a big believer in the like 90 day. I love the 90 day like um, time frame. Like you can get a lot yeah. done in 90 days. It's not right. too long. It's not too short, right? There's a book called the 12 week year. Very similar. Yep. So we wrote this 90 days of intention journal. So on uh, January, March, so April 1st, I set a 90 day goal to get one mobile home park under contract, 50 units. I wanted one in that 90 days. In that 90 days, once I had that crystal clear vision, we got six mobile home parks in that period under contract, 300 units. So like just by having that very clear vision in a short timeline, it's yeah. Yeah. Your long-term goals can become short-term goals very quickly. That's incredible. Yeah, I would, that's it's a, funny. Cause I mean, I know that's a whole separate talk, but I wouldn't think that finding, you know, a good ROI on, on a mobile home park would be that easy to find. But I guess if you're looking in the right places and implementing the right systems, they're not that hard to find. They must not be. They are, but the, the beauty of it, and this, this goes to what we can probably talk about today, but like everything in real estate comes down to the same four-step funnel. I mean, everybody do it. You do it. I do it. Everybody does the same thing. You have to have leads coming in, a, a supply of leads. You have to analyze those leads and determine how much they're worth, what you can pay for them. You then have to go after them. I call it pursuing them. And then if you do that enough, you will get success on some of them. So I call it the lapse funnel, leads, analysis, pursue success. And everybody does this, just nobody, not very few people identify it. Now, a good sign of a high volume flipper, a high volume wholesaler, a high volume whatever, is they know those numbers. Yeah, we got 87 leads in last week. We made, you know, we, we ran the numbers and we 
you know, we dropped 30 of them out because they're bad neighborhoods. We ran the numbers on the rest. We made 14 offers. We got three accepted. And so like that funnel, everybody does it, whether you're buying one deal a year or a hundred deals a year. It's just the, the pros recognize that funnel. So yeah. all we did, we're like, okay, let's build that funnel. So we're like, let's bring in a bunch of like uh, uh, people to help. So I put on bigger pockets. Actually, I looked for some people to help got a bunch of like team members that were just doing cold calling that were calling brokers. Uh, we had 15 people analyzing deals. We just built this machine. So we had, we had 15 people calling and whatever. We had 15 people analyzing and I just basically made the deal. Hey, if you bring a deal, uh, you get part of the general partnership when we buy it. And people Smart. were thrilled at that. And so wow. then we just, so it, we still probably went through hundreds of potential properties. We just, rather than doing that over the course of years, which most people do, we did it all in the course of 90 days. And, uh, that's just turn that faucet on and you can get deals all day long. It's just, it's a big funnel. That's ingenious. You basically built a small army in a very short yeah. amount of time. Yeah. To source that's deals for you. It. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. And then you offer people like a good chunk of the, of the deal if they bring something. And that's right. Excited about that. Well, it didn't cost you anything on the front end either. I mean, you weren't out yep. anything. It was more, yeah. Hey, if we find a deal then you can participate. Yeah. And there's Love a lot of people it. who didn't, a lot of people that were in that group that didn't get a deal yet. And they, they maybe won't, but like for them, like they're getting to learn and be part of this machine and see how that goes and get the skills. And so like, they're like, I've talked to a number of them that are like, I'm not even like, if I never get a deal, they've told me like, I don't even care. Like just being a part of this and learning is yeah. awesome. Rubbing so, yeah. shoulders with uh, Brandon Turner was enough. Yeah. Just being they able to like good. brush against the beard. <laughs> that's right. I got to touch the beard. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, that's what it, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> that's very cool. Well, okay, so you've obviously figured out, you know, funnel generating leads and whatnot. I guess that leads us, it's a really natural segue into, so what was your best deal and how did you find it? Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to use the word best to say it's my favorite deal. Okay. Uh, and it is one of my best deals, but it's also like the deal I just love talking about. So the deal I'll talk about is my fourplex that I bought just over three and a half years, or three years ago, we'll call it three years ago. Uh, and uh, I can go on and tell you the whole story. If you want to ask questions, I don't know. How do you want to? I want to hear the, the whole thing. So it was a fourplex. Right. How did you source it? Where'd you find it? Yeah. So I decided I was like, okay, I want to buy a new property. I, I, I don't buy a lot. Like, I mean, like up until like even like this year, it's like a couple deals a year. Like I'm not super high volume. I'm maybe flip two or three houses a year and buy two or three rentals. Yep. And so I was beginning to look, I had some money I, I wanted to put to use, not much, but I had some and I was like, all right, well, what should I do? So I decided to do direct mail marketing. So yep. I sent out, not even that much, I sent out 300 letters. And like the letter was really simple. It just said, hi, my name is Brandon. My wife and I, Heather, are looking to buy a property. We buy a lot of properties in Grace Harbor. We're looking to buy uh, another one and we came across yours. We'd love to talk about it. Uh, if you want to sell, give us a call. Brandon, Heather Turner, put a picture of our faces on there because I'm a big believer that if people, if people want to sell to people they like. Yep. So, you know, me and Heather totally. smiling. Yeah, yep. and then... Uh, uh, and my favorite thing about direct mail is I, I once read this um, study. I don't remember even where it was from and I'm going to butcher the actual stat, but it was basically the number one most read part of a letter is the PS. If you have a PS in a letter, people's eyes naturally always read the PS. They will skim a letter and they'll read the PS. So uh, in the PS of my letter says, PS, we can buy it for cash. Even if it's in bad condition or has tenants, we've dealt with it all. Give us a call. And so that way it gives like the kind of the salesy part without sounding salesy. Yeah. It's just, the PS and but anyway so we sent out 300 letters uh, I printed them on my own printer um, just printed them out uh, I did like my own handwriting font so they looked handwritten but they were actually whatever printed on the letters uh, on the envelopes and uh, I didn't handwrite them but we use handwriting font 300 letters out 
out of them, we received back 40 phone calls, like give or take a couple, but about 40 phone calls. That's a good response rate. No, that's a ridiculous response. Rate. Yeah. Yeah. 40 on 300. Wait, now what was uh, the list that you mailed to again? So I mailed to absentee owners who had bought their property. I think it was previous 2005, I think is what I aimed for that one. Uh, it was either five or six or something. It was something basically they've owned it for a decade Yep. and they don't live in the area. And how I picked that, I have no idea. I just was like, this will probably be a decent list. And so I did it. People who own property. And I think I targeted, if I remember, small multifamily. I think I bought my list. Listeners. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a heavily hit list. I mean, yeah. you mail that list today, you're lucky to get half a you know, percent response rate on that. It is. But here's the funny thing about investing in rural kind of blue collar areas. It's like, this is in Atlanta where like, I mean, I have never, ever, ever received a direct mail letter in my life at my house. I own a hundred doors and like, you know, 15, 20 properties. So nobody in my area has ever sent me a direct mail letter wanting to buy one of my properties. So Are it just shows you that like, That's nobody's crazy. doing direct mail. Yeah. What's so the name of this town? This is, can we all go <laughs> there? And yeah, this is Ray's Harbor County. But like, it's, uh, it's funny because also here's a lesson for people. People who live in Seattle are like, it's too expensive. I can't invest in Seattle. It's a million dollar house, uh, you know, average price, I think yeah. 700 grand in Seattle. That was 90 minutes from Seattle. It's not even that far away. Now, there are people who from, go from Seattle and come down to Grays Harbor and they try to invest and they just like buy the crap worst deals in bad neighborhoods because they don't understand the market. So I'm not saying just go and buy in, an, in a nearby area because it's cheap, yeah. but like there are areas within driving distance of pretty much every major city in America, no matter how, no matter how expensive, where you can buy cash flowing deals. Yeah. They do exist. So uh, anyway, yeah, the, nobody ever does direct mail. So I think that was probably a big part of it was the fact that people just got phone. Now, some of those, you know, were like, screw you, take me off your list. But not many, most of them were just tire kickers. People want to know more about what we were doing. Like, why would you want to buy my property? Like they didn't even understand that's like a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, so we, um, yeah, we ended up getting 40 phone calls roughly out of them, probably a 12, maybe I think it was like 12 were like good options that we were in conversation that we were like analyzing those deals in depth. We went and looked at a couple of them. Out of those 12, all 12 got rejected when I actually made my final offers. All 12 were rejected, including the, the guy with the fourplex. Uh, he was one of them that called and he wanted uh, 85 or 90,000 for this fourplex. And it was, it was a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster. Really? He wanted 85 or 90. And I ran the numbers and I'm like, it's just, I can't, I can't pay 85 or 90 for it. It just doesn't work. So I think I offered him at the time, I offered him 40. And he just, you know, laughed at it and said, no way. Went away a month later. Month later, he calls back and nope. says, can, can you do a little better than 40? I said, I can, I can do like 45. He said, okay, we got a deal. So at oh, 45,000, wow. we bought it. Yeah, it was- uh, That's crazy. It, yeah, 45 for a fourplex, which is great, right? So what, you know, it was at 11 a unit. But it, I mean, it needed work. Like it needed a lot of work. Um, there were four separate houses all on one lot. So it was just like house, 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 house. Oh, wow. In a fairly bad neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I mean, like again, Grace Harbor doesn't have like, horrible neighbor. Like I didn't, I don't feel like I'm going to get shot necessarily. Uh, but it, it, it's not somewhere like I would want like my kid playing in the front yard by herself. Yeah. So, uh, what we did though is be in my vision. The reason I bought this is because it's four houses in a row in this not great neighborhood, but four houses in a row is kind of defining the neighborhood. So by, I knew if I bought them and did a better than average job of fixing them up, like a, yeah. something that like the neighborhood didn't deserve, like if that makes sense, right? Like, like right. you would never over improve a property. But I hired a designer friend of mine, his name's Christopher Lyle. He's awesome. And he's like, 
phenomenal with design stuff. So I hired him. I just said, can you give me a design of every paint color to paint these houses? What should I make them look like? What should I do with them? And he drew it all up. I think I paid him 1500 bucks or something like that. And I just copied his design. So like they are bold colors. I mean like bright red, a bright like green color. I think there's a blue and there's a shoot. What's the other color? Anyway, there's like four bright colors wow. and uh resided the exterior. Yeah. Like painted the, yes, exactly. And it looks, it just, but people constantly, like when they find out I own that, they're like, Oh, you own those properties over on first street. Wow. They look so good. Like that yeah. really turned around the neighborhood. Everyone says that, Oh man, that, that totally changed that neighborhood because yeah. before there were four dilapidated houses. Anyway, so we remodeled these houses, got in there. We had um, squatters in one of them. Two of them were empty and one of them had a garbage hoarder. You ever deal with a garbage hoarder? Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, not just a hoarder, garbage oh, yeah. hoarder. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't take the garbage out. Yeah. I mean, that house was the worst thing I have ever been in ever. Uh, I have a video. Actually, I should send you the video. I have a video of me walking through it the first time. Uh, I mean, the garbage was piled up to the ceiling in spots. So you had to kind of like sift through it. Yeah. There were rats. I mean, hundreds of rats living in the garbage. Just You, you just walk through and they would just climb around. The toilet was like, I mean, like unbelievable, like unbelievable. We've and these people it. lived quick, in it. So quick, st funny story side. Please. So we had one of these under contract and they couldn't sell it to us because one of the relatives wouldn't move out of this crazy uh -huh. trash water house. And two months later, she called us and said, it's available. So what happened? The dude got bit by a black widow spider because he's just really? living in filth and died. Oh, wow. And how we got in. He had to wow. die from his own filth. <laughs> wow. There's a lesson there. You can yeah. make that an anecdote. Yeah. What spider's biting you in your life right now? You know? <laughs> you tell, <laughs> exactly. yeah. That's like the speaker Literally. in front of a crowd. Tell that story. Yeah. Then like, what spider are you, you know, going to get bit by? That's right. Yeah. There's funny. a life lesson in there somewhere. There's a life lesson in there somewhere. <laughs> funny. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, we cleared them out. We uh, we actually had to evict them because they didn't pay rent either. When we took over, they just stopped paying. I mean, they didn't pay rent. Yeah, right. Which I, I didn't expect them to, and because the last guy, he never got rent from them. He owned it for years without them paying rent because he was just that kind of landlord. Didn't know what to do. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't care. Um, so how much did care. you put into these houses then? Like, what was? Uh, yeah, hundred. We spent one hundred and twenty, one hundred twenty k of rehab on it. Oh wow. So, okay. Yeah. So one hundred twenty k over four houses, which they're. I mean, they're all seven hundred square foot houses. Uh, but yeah, one hundred twenty k, and that was. Uh, about a year's worth of work. Um, okay. and so, yeah. And, and again, smaller town, that probably would have cost me 350 out here in Maui to do that much work that we did. Sure. But it was all a lot of like the same stuff. So like that, you know, the, the vinyl plank flooring, the interlocking stuff, I don't know what it's called, but oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. We, all four houses got that. Yep. All the houses were cleaned out. And once we cleaned them, like the walls were actually pretty nice. Everything was in okay. We all new appliances, uh, again, siding, landscaping. We had to put a couple of new roofs on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 120 grand. So a total into it, 165. And that includes the one, the, the 120 includes holding costs and it includes like the, okay. the lender, lender costs. Okay. Um, so I'd used a private money lender. Somebody actually met on bigger pockets originally. So they oh, funded, cool. yeah, they funded a hundred K of it. And then I bought, got a $50,000 line of credit from my bank, just an unsecured line of credit. And that funded most of the rest of it. So and I think a little total bit out, of out of pocket, pocket. little out of pocket, mostly holding costs. I just, you know, the pretty much, yeah, holding costs and, and the, the lender, uh, his like point, I think I gave a point or two okay. uh, that all came out really at the, at the refinance when we refinance it. So really out of pocket, I think I was out at less 10, less than 10 grand out of the whole thing. And how did you structure your private money? Just out of curiosity, one point, yeah. some, yeah, some, I think it was interest. one point. It might've been two points. I think it was one in, in 10% interest, but it might've been even nine. So it was a, uh, it was kind of a combo. I mean, it, more than maybe I pay for private money usually, but less than hard money. 
Yeah, that's not bad. Ten percent for private money. I think that's right on. Yeah. Right on yeah. that's not bad at all. Now, did yeah. you structure it as a balloon? Then is what it sounds like. Were you paying him monthly, or wait until you refied? I think I actually did pay him the interest monthly, but I, we added the point onto the end. Okay. Uh, I just paid him monthly, and I I've done it both ways with private lenders. Um, yeah. I obviously like not paying them monthly, but because it was a rental, we I mean we had him rented out within three months, like uh, or I mean like we had the first one rented out within three months, second one took another three. It was like over the course of a year, every three months we finished one. Yeah, so rent coming in, so even as soon as we got that first one rented, it paid actually the entire payment. I think we rented it for six seventy five, the one unit. Oh my gosh! Uh, and they pay, and then this is the beauty of the four houses on one lot. The water meters were already separate, so we don't pay utilities. They pay their own water, their own sewer, their own garbage, nice. uh, their own electricity. And so uh, we handed it over to we got finished with it, handed it over to a property manager, and uh, property manager took over, and and they just manage the property. And every month now, I get uh, you know a check. That's amazing. So yeah. all in at one sixty five for four units. So essentially, it's yeah. forty thousand per unit. Yeah. And each unit's getting six seventy five a month in rent. Yeah. And in fact, a couple of them got like seven fifty. And I don't remember why the manager got seven fifty out of a couple of them. And the they pay their own utilities. The red. Yeah, the red, no, yeah, the red. yeah, people like that red. I think it was like I think it was like with the you know, dog fee or a pet fee, I think they added on. And then I think one two of them had a little bit different layout. They were a little bigger feeling. Uh, they were all two bedroom, one bath, but just some had a little bit bigger feel to them and layout, and they got a little bit more for it. Yeah, and then um yeah, we refinanced that, went to a bank, got, a, got an appraisal. I think it came in at like two, I think it was 220 or something like that. Okay. Uh, and I, we were supposed to get a refinance up until like, honestly, like the day before closing, they were going to do a 70% uh, cash out refi. And we were going to get like all, pretty much everything back until we put into it. Yeah. And then the day before, uh, the day before closing, they came and said, oh, actually we can only do 120. And I can't remember the reason, but they had a, oh, we can only do 120 because that was your original loan plus something that they could maybe add in. So anyway, that, that sucked. It was like day before and they were just like, well, take it or leave it. So we have a loan. We got a loan for 120. Uh, and we put it on a 30-year mortgage. But and this goes, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but we put it on a 30-year mortgage, but we set it up on payment plans to pay off in 18 years. Okay. And that's where the real beauty of this deal comes in. It's something I talk a lot about on Bigger Pockets is because People are wondering, why 18 years? Well, I bought this property. We closed on it four days after Rosie was born, my daughter, Rosie. Oh, wow. So we, her very first outing into the world was to the title company. And uh, we went and signed papers for this property. So this property is her college education. So really? what I'm, Yeah, so what I mean by that is it's paid off in 18 years. I mean, if it's worth 225 today, let's say, uh, 15 years from now, three, 350, probably somewhere around there, just based on like normal appreciation. Yeah. Should be worth, you know, three, 350 by that point. We won't owe anything on it at all. And so she will get this property in 18 years. Well, I mean like this is, it's not like a title. It's not in her name. It's in yeah. my name, Yeah. but we'll be able to refinance it at that point. Let's say it's worth 300, right? We can refinance it, pull out $250,000, $225,000 in tax-free cash that Rosie then can use for her college education. And that's cool. Then we can also put it on another 20 year, let's say call it a 20 year mortgage. And now yeah. it covers her kids college education. Right. And so this entire thing will, so she won't be burdened with student loan debt, but even better than that, in my opinion, is the fact that from the time she's able to understand it, I mean, she, she knows today it's her property. I showed her yeah. pictures. We drove by it a couple of times, but when she's five or six, she'll be doing the profit loss on this property. When she's older, she'll be answering the phone sometimes for like things that go wrong with it. Like I want her to learn because this is her property. So it's a, yeah. it's a learning thing, which That's is kind of cool. Amazing. That is like such it. a cool idea. So, and you're not, I mean, the idea is not to even sell it. Cause like you said, if you just refi yeah. it, then it's all that's yeah. tax free money that you basically yeah. just hand over to her. Just keep, yeah. keep the unit and keep doing yep. it again. I mean, we could sell it, but like, 
I'll probably just refinance it. If it's a good property, I'll refinance it. If I sell it, yeah, we have to pay a bunch of taxes and recapture depreciation and all that stuff I don't want to deal with. Yeah. We refinance it, tax-free money, almost the same amount as we'd get probably by selling it after you know fees and stuff and taxes and uh, do it again. And the, the cool part is, so Rosie gets the college education. I get the cash flow. So even set up on 18-year nice. payment plans yeah. and having a property manager, after all expenses, repairs, maintenance, all that, we average a little over $1,000 a month in cash flow on that that I just get to use for whatever I want. So Dude, that couldn't have yeah. worked out any better. Is, is there yeah. a part of her that's like, hey, that's my house. Where's my cash flow? <laughs> yeah, not yet. She's, you know, three years old. I don't even think she understands anything, but she does know it's hers because she said something about my house when we drove by it, like when I explained it to her. So she, I think she's getting it. That but, is yeah. such a good idea, man. Yeah. Think of all the people that are, uh, are putting their kids through college and or racking up just a ridiculous amount of yeah, debt. Loan, their kids yeah. are taking out student loans. Yep. Just freaking buy them a fourplex, yeah. man. Yeah. Or on a, honestly, like here's what's cool is like you could buy your kid if, if they're under the age of five, you could buy your kid any, even a single family house anywhere in the country. And all it has to do is break even on a 15 year mortgage. Yep. That's all right. So yep. just buy a house that breaks even on a 15 year mortgage, which is not entirely difficult to find. I mean, you don't even need to make, I love the cash flow. You don't yeah. even need to you just buy your kid. It doesn't matter. Yep. The whole goal is the, is the loan payoff. It's yep. getting a loan paid off over 15 years. And you just pay for your kid's entire college education. And you buy every one of your kids before they're five years old a deal. And you're set, they're, they're set for life. And at least it's amazing. Yeah, it's like a bank it's, account that's, uh, that you're getting a yeah. much better return on. It's like a bank account that your tenants are putting money in every month. It's that's, like, right. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Somebody else is going to put money in every month. Somebody else is making yeah. deposits. And it's yep. appreciating faster than any bank account out there. Yeah. And because we, like, the beauty of what I love about Burr properties, which is the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, is you're flipping a house, but you're holding it. Your yeah. repair costs are like almost nothing. Like we hardly ever deal with repairs and maintenance on this property because we already fixed it up. We already put 120 grand into it. That's right. Yeah. And we have, yeah, I mean, that's, so that's easy. Because it's the nicest property in the area, we attract really good tenants. Like we have really good uh, luck with tenants there. And I, and I, I think it goes to this. I, I like to say that even C-class tenants watch Chip and Joanna Gaines. And what I mean <laughs> is like, like even people who are D and C-class tenants, there are many people in those neighborhoods who still want a good place to live. They still yeah. are good people. They still like farmhouse sinks or they still like, you know, wood floors. Yeah. So what a lot of people do is like, hey, you, you know, you're a D-class, this is a D-class area, I'm gonna give you a D-class product, and then they only attract D-class people. So but true. there are people in every market who will, like there are good people in every market, even a bad market. So yeah. I'm not opposed to buying in a little bit lower class areas as long as my property is the best in that area. That's right, well and you can be pickier. Yeah. You, you got the red and the blue and the green house, everybody knows yeah. what those are, they know yeah, that they're nice. They yeah. And so when it comes time to find a tenant, you probably have more than one app yeah. applicants and you're yep. picking the best one. Yep. And people love that property. And so, yeah, you got a reputation as like a really great place. So that's yeah. very cool. Well, the other yeah. thing you did, I think that's key is it wasn't just one house. If it was just one house on the block, it might've yeah. been harder to build a reputation yes. and turn the neighborhood. But if you've got four yep. in a row, then you are sort of changing the dynamic in that neighborhood. Yeah. And they were definitely the four worst houses. I mean, like they're, the other ones are all right. There's one other house that's like vacant on the, on the lot, on, on the, on the block, but everything else is, is all right. They're just like blue collar homes. Yeah. And so by adding these four, it just made that whole street. I mean, I, I even had like the, the guy who does the inspections, like came out, you know, for the, cause we got permits for all this. So I, and he was just like, oh, you just totally transformed this neighborhood. Like he was like thanking us for like fixing this part of his problem uh, of his life. So that's yeah, cool. all the neighbors had to love you. You dumped a yeah. hundred grand into some houses on their street. Everybody had to love that. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, had it worked out perfectly, I would have gone out with almost no money out of pocket. I would have pretty much got, I think that we were trying to get 160 out of that refi yeah. and had it worked out. I would have been 
you know, nothing on pocket. Now as it is, I got 40K invested, which, you know, I had that 40K line of credit from the bank. So I could have just held onto that for a while, but it was higher interest and I didn't want to deal with it. So I just paid it off. I will say this. Have you looked at mortgage rates? They're stupid low. low right now. Yeah, I know. I should actually go because I've owned it now for well over a year. So oh, yeah. I can go cash out refi. You're right. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. I should just go and refi it now because now we're at, we have 15 years left because we're on 18. That was three years ago. Uh, so yeah, we could do a 15 year mortgage right now. I bet you rates would be stupid. I could actually pull a bunch of cash. That's a great idea. You absolutely yeah, should. All right. See you later. There you go. You're good. <laughs> I got All everything right, folks, I Thanks for joining. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great idea. I should look into refinancing this thing. Yeah. I know a mortgage company that could hook you up. I'm just saying. Uh, you do know a mortgage company. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Okay. So how did this change your business? I mean, you figure you, you, you went in there and you, and you obviously found a, some cool houses. You turned the neighborhood around. You had an amazing strategy with tenants. How did this change your business? Have you done anything in terms of implementing something in other houses that you're trying to acquire because of this, this deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would say that the thing that made the biggest difference was, or, or that I look at as it changed was I realized like the chip and Joanna Gaines factor or yeah. I call it the Ken Corsini factor, but people still watch like, you know, they, they, they love it. So I learned that. So like, if you can do a good job, uh, I guess it's like, don't judge tenants by their economic, uh, place in life. Yeah. Right. So I, and once I realized that, like, that's made a big, so that's why I'm not afraid of mobile home parks anymore. Like that, I think that helped me get into that world because yeah. these are like one step above a mobile home park, little tiny two bedroom, one bath, 750 square foot homes. Yeah. Like they're not, and you know, all in one lot. It's very similar. And so I realized like there are really good people who want to do that. So it doesn't scare me to get into the lower income stuff as yeah. long as we can provide a better product than everyone else. Yeah. So I think more than anything, it just got me into that. So it was a good stepping stone into mobile home parks. That's a, it's a really good takeaway to, to if you're in a C or D class, aim to have the nicest house on the block. I mean, don't overspend yeah. obviously, but have yeah, the nicest crazy, house on the block. Just yeah, like we didn't, we didn't do granite countertops. Like we still did laminate, you know? So we didn't even like go crazy. I know, I know. We got little <laughs> cheap laminate counters from Home Depot. Who does that? Yeah. But know your market, but just do a little better. The Gaines would never do that, just so you know. No, they would not do that. They would have done like concrete or something. They did something, yeah. <laughs> concrete, exactly. I love it, man. Okay, so somebody out there is listening to this. What advice would you give them in terms of maybe acquiring their first fourplex or their first property? Yeah. Think of it like a funnel, right? It's just like if anytime somebody says to me, I can't find a deal. Like it means that your, your funnel is broken somewhere. So just think of it like, okay, what are you doing for leads right now that are, how are you generating leads consistently and high quality and ask that question, right? Like yeah. Tim Ferriss says, ask better questions and you get better answers. Like, yeah. okay, so how do I generate consistent high quality leads on, on like autopilot even? Yeah. And answering that question is going to get you a bunch of leads because you'll figure it out. And then, okay, how are you analyzing deals? Do you have a system for analyzing them quickly? Do you have some rules of thumb you abide by to make it go faster? Do you have a software you're using? Are you tracking? Are you organized? If so, great. Okay, how many offers are you making then? You know, set a goal. I'm going to make five offers a week. I'm going to make two offers a week. So we had set a goal of when I, when I did that 90 day thing, we set a very strict lead measure. We were going to make uh, two offers every single week. That was our goal. Two offers on a mobile home park a week. And so we ended up making eight offers in a month. And out of that, two of those ended up getting accepted because we were just consistent. And because the leads were yeah. high, because we were filtering out the junk ones, because we yeah. had clarity in what we want. It's uh, anyway, follow the funnel. And if you follow the LAPS funnel, yeah. uh, laps funnel, you'll, you'll get what you want. Yeah. Just don't have a lapse of judgment. Right? Don't have a lapse <laughs> of judgment. <laughs> that's good. No, I love it, man. I think that's fantastic. Uh, well, I, I mean, for somebody that's just getting started, I, I don't want them to necessarily have the expectation that they're going to send 
300 letters and get 40 calls. Yes. Yeah. I've that's, never had that. Was that. Phenomenal. that was phenomenal. Unless you move to rural Washington. In yes. which case it happens every time you send out 300. No, but, <laughs> but for real, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's about consistency and you're exactly right. Create the funnel, work yep. the funnel, set some KPIs, track what you're doing. And eventually the deals come, they just do. If you're doing yeah. it consistently that they absolutely come. And I love the way you structured this deal. Uh, Obviously, being in a, a house for 40000 making six seventy five, seven hundred that's a phenomenal deal. But phenomenal. Yeah. You sort of set it aside for your daughter. That's so stinking cool. That's never dawned on me to like, here's a house for one kid, here's a house for another kid. And, and basically, it takes care of college, wedding, everything. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, just you set go. it and forget it, sort of. Yep. And, and uh, yeah, and then teaches them along the way why. So it's not just like, hey, I just gave you a bunch of money. A good job. You know, I don't want my kid to just be, you know, rich, spoiled Rosie when she's, you know, 18, 19. Yeah. But it's like she worked for this and this is her. And if like, yeah, if she wants to blow it and fine, you know, that was a good learning experience, but it doesn't hurt me because I didn't pay for it. My That's tenants true. paid for it. You That's know right. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, While you were making money, they paid for it yes. and you made a thousand dollars. And month. I made a thousand dollars a month so I can handle that. And that should go up over time, right? Because rents tend to go up over time. That's right. And, uh, you know, hopefully like, hopefully I make more money over time. And when rents are a thousand dollars per unit, that's even more. I might be cranking in two grand a month in cash flow. Quite possible. Yeah. Phenomenal. Brandon, I love this one. This is a good, it's unique too. It's got a unique bend on it because again, because you've found a way to put it in your kid. Now I'm going to go talk. Actually, maybe I shouldn't tell my kids. I'm not going to let them see <laughs> this. One. Yeah. Like, yeah kids, free house, dad? Yeah. You're all in a house. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we actually interviewed a lady the other day on the podcast on our, on our show uh, just a couple of days ago uh, who told me she like she's like after I heard you did that with Rosie she went and bought three houses for her three kids and now she's got yeah she went and did the exact same thing and I was like I love that like that's it's life-changing stuff like because it doesn't it's you don't even have to get a good deal like it just got to be something that can't lose you don't lose money yeah break Break even even. who cares 15 years it's paid for yep but again, maybe the best takeaways, like you said, because I'm the same way. I want my kids to be able to read a PL, you know, yeah. and at least by middle school. Let's look yeah. at this together and understand why, yeah. how business works. And yeah. So yeah, every month, a, Rosie and I will sit down and we'll go over the numbers what was income, what was expenses. And that's going to be a thing that we just do together. And yeah. uh, I think that'll make a bigger impact than even the 300 grand will make on her. That sort of thing will equip your kid for their future life more than any college education. Yeah. Realistically, as you and yeah. I, I mean, the older you get, yeah. you realize it's just, can you understand numbers? You understand how to run yeah. a business. And, yeah, if she chooses not to go to college, I will be overjoyed. I have zero, I will never push her into college. I'm going to say yeah. like, I mean, she wants to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever, great, go to college and I'll be happy for her. Yeah. But if she says I want to be an entrepreneur dad or I want to do a real estate, yeah. Right, exactly. Come join the business, the yeah. family business. I would love it. So we'll see. Go to move to Maine and run my uh, mobile home yeah. park. Yeah. yeah, I got you guys. Nice, uh, resident manager, Rosie. That's there right. you go. That's right. Ugh. Well, Brandon, this was really good. I love it, man. I love the takeaways well, from this one. I appreciate you coming on, man. And we will, yeah. uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. Thank you. See you, man. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. Whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. 
Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.